Hello and welcome to Speak Female, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women and allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects they can either relate to or learn something from. This season is all about female empowerment and leadership. So at the end of each interview, I will be reading out a quote that has been selected by my guest. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, professional development coach, senior IT manager, and of course, podcaster. You'll now find that in between the episodes, you'll have access to five minute coaching hosted by me. If you'd like to find out more about Speak Female and coaching, you can connect with me across all social media platforms or email me coaching at lucygrimwades.com. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. It is my auntie, my auntie Jenny Beck. Thank you, Jenny, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You are so exciting. I'm really excited to have you on here. (laughs) Similar to my um, episode with Winnie, Jenny and I haven't necessarily overly prepared for anything, and we thought we'd have a conversation and we'll really see where it will go. But my question for you, Jenny, is why did you come up with that quote that you gave me? The girls rule and boys draw. So, uh, yeah, it's a very mature quote, isn't it? Um, I, I have to say, I always feel like I'm supposed to be inspiring if people ask for quotes. And <laughs> that was literally the first thing that popped in my head. Um, but, I, you know, I grew up, um, funnily enough, I grew up in sort of a, for a long time, my parents were in an evangelical religion, which is very patriarchal. And I also grew up with all sisters until my brother came along when I was an adult. And so I always had this weird dichotomy of a very almost feminist family and yet living in this very anti-feminist world and with anti-feminist expectations. And so I dealt with that by sort of being one of those girls that hated boys. And I, I think girls rule, boys drool was always one of my favorite things to say. And I still, to this day, I'll say it to your, well, your uncle, my husband, Ian, I'll say, you know, girls rule, boys drool. <laughs> I love it. I can just imagine his face being like, okay, thanks. Like, All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you know, that's, you know, for me, it was always about the fact that I knew as a girl that I was as equal to and as strong as the boys around me. But I would get really frustrated when I wasn't allowed to behave in a certain way or, you know, do certain things, um, have certain responsibilities in the church my parents were part of and things like that because I was a girl um, or, you know, we had to wear a skirt or had to wear a hat or something weird like that. And I would be so frustrated because I would just, you know, makes no sense. So that that's really, I think, been my my whole entire life has been about proving that girls are just as good as boys. In fact, they're better in my mind, which sometimes makes me a bit of a man hater. And and then I have to kind of balance (laughs) that out and try not to be prejudiced against someone because they're a man. (laughs) You have to be, you know, careful. And of course, you know, I'm a grown up now, so it's a little bit different. Love it. And it's interesting what you've just said there and about kind of growing up knowing that you were equal to a man. That's a really Mm -hmm. strong statement that a lot of women who I speak to and work with, and even myself, I never, I grew up with the, um, 
I grew up with my mum, as you know, telling me, you know, go and um, get a good job, earn good money, etc., etc. But there was always something in the back of my mind with some of my girlfriends as I grew up that they were always talking about meeting that rich husband and not having mm-hmm. to work. Is that a kind of similar experience? Yeah, it's it. You know, it's funny because. Um, I remember my mom always saying that you can love a rich man as much as and well as you can love a poor man. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea was that you would find someone that would take care of you financially. And for a long time, I sort of thought that to myself um, and, and kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And I did indeed always tend to date richer guys, more successful people, but I was never quite happy. And obviously, you know, we have a comfortable life, but we're by no means wealthy. Um, but it had nothing to do with my, my love for my now husband. Um, but it didn't matter either because I took care of myself so well. So, you know, once I grew up as a young adult, partly because of necessity, I had to go to work, um, as a teenager and help support my family because we were quite poor. Um, so I automatically did things very differently, I think, than a lot of my peers. Um, you know, my peers were going off to college and they were kids and they were still living at home. And I had my own flat and was working a job and helping my mom. And, you know, uh, eventually I was working, you know, two or three jobs and I did that for years. And, and I always felt just very confident about myself. I remember I had a, and, and I don't want to in any way knock this boss because I, I went to work for these two older gentlemen who were dentists, had a practice. And they taught me so many wonderful things about business and about customer service and just about professionalism. And they were just genuinely good people. And I was very lucky to get them as my first sort of professional job bosses. And I was 20, I think 20. Um, and I worked for them off and on over like a 10 year period. I worked for them twice or actually it was over maybe a 12 year window. And what I remember, though, one of the doctors, when I first started working, I would never bother to put lipstick on. But I also it was the 90s when we wore those when I would pencil my eyebrows in ridiculously high and pluck them all out, which is why I like, you know, thin eyebrows now. So I'd have to draw my eyebrows on, but I would refuse to put lipstick on. (laughs) He would be like, need to put some lipstick on and I know why he said it because it probably looked so damn scary with my eyebrows (laughs) but I would be like don't tell me to put lipstick on (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine I'd be like you don't tell me what to do I don't have to wear makeup if I don't want to do you wear makeup (laughs) (laughs) and what was that what was his reaction what was their reaction to that oh he would just be like oh he was older he would just roll his eyes we argued all the time. In fact, I remember arguing with him a lot because he was a bit of a curmudgeon um, and he he was funny. He was the type of boss that would, you know, if you were having a bad day, he would hug you and tell you he loved you. And which was these days would probably be completely inappropriate. Um, but he really genuinely felt like a parent, I think, to his employees. And he came from that generation and so when I would act that way, he would just act like I was his smart aleck teenage daughter. He'd roll his eyes and just be like, fine, just get out of my office, you know. And <laughs> the other doctor, doctor, the other doctor, he would be very, he never said anything, but he would just be like, just, you know, 
make sure you look professional, you know, <laughs> and, and of course, as I got older and, you know, later on, they never said a word about that, but I also didn't have scary eyebrows anymore, you know, when I worked for them later, <laughs> but it was, I, I always, I think because of how I had grown up and that always immediately instantly like are you picking on me because I'm a girl are you making trying to treat me less than that automatically I'd be like don't tell me what to do because I'm a girl and and I have to say that my mom for all her you know you mentioned your mom and your mom you know was amazing and that she was a single mom that started her own business and mm-hmm. and that's you know that's huge and it probably has a big impact on who you are and your confidence and success and I think my mom for even though she may have said, you know, oh, you can love a poor man as much as a rich man. She also was very smart and also would tell us, you girls can be whatever you want. And unfortunately, she didn't live by those words. Like she's always been kind of very insecure and lacking confidence. But I think it was less about gender and more just about her family dynamic. Um, there was, you know, she went through her family just had a lot of troubles. So I think my mom did instill some good feminist strength in me. Mm. I want to pick up on something that you just said as well around um, that uh, the chap would hug you if you're having a bad day and then how nowadays, (laughs) you know, how it is different. Do you think that we are now in a place where we are becoming too politically correct? So I I think, um, I think there's always extremes, right? Mm. I think the world swings too far to the left and it swings too far to the right and it swings and it swings. And in the middle is where I think reality sits and where pragmatism and progress sits, right? You've got to, you have to have the extremes to make people wake up and to make them see what they, you know, when they're maybe getting on the wrong side of sort of morality, but at the same time, it's easy to judge. And I I think it's easy to pick out faults in people. And I think that's where, when you say PC, you know, we've gotten to PC, there's nothing wrong with trying to be politically correct, because ultimately it's about being polite and kind and aware of other people, right? Mm -hmm. And differences and accepting of those differences. That doesn't mean you stop entirely being who you are, because they ultimately need to accept you as well. Yeah. It also doesn't mean we stop being kind. And I have a real issue these days. In fact, I, I don't know. I've started really negating my presence on social media. I have to do it to a bit professionally, but I have really started pulling away because I, I see this sort of judgmental self-righteousness that I, you know, and maybe it's me because I'm older, because when I was young, I was pretty damn self-righteous and annoying too. And I, you know, (laughs) for the sake of transparency, I'll, you know, I am a left, pretty left wing. So it was always that sort of young, how could you not be supporting, you know, the will and the for, you know, (laughs) you know, everything, because it's about caring. And I, and I think there, I was very valid in a lot of my feelings, especially about, you know, here in the U.S., the pro-choice movement about being, you know, female rights and equality and, and gay rights and things like that, that really needed voices. Mm. But we make a mistake when we stop being human and we start being self-righteous. And I think to your point with the hugging, it's sort of similar. We have to be kind and loving and caring and 
that man hugging me when I was having a bad day, say a patient had yelled at me or screamed at me and, and accused me of cheating them because I took care of like the finances and stuff in the practice. I, there was nothing wrong with him giving me a hug and saying, it's okay. And I am glad that I didn't freak out and act weird. Now, mm-hmm. if he'd come and pitched me on the bum, it would have been a different story. Yeah. But I think humans are human. Now, you know, these days, because of the fact that we've learned so much about how people feel, because there is a bit of a more sensitivity to that, there's nothing wrong with him saying, hey, if you don't mind, can I give you a hug because you look like you're having a bad day? That's okay, too. And I try to do that now. So at work, I'll say, hey, can I give you a hug? You look like you're having a bad day. And most people say, okay, or they'll say, no, I don't like hugs. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Now, you know, if I chase them around trying to give them a hug, then it would be weird. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with me asking. And sometimes you're just human. You're going to make mistakes. And I, I think that's where the, the anti-PC issue is getting. So that's where the PC, it's not about peace, you know, peace, people being too politically correct. It's about people being too judgmental and quick to assume that others mean something wrong. Yeah, no, I think I I actually completely agree with that. And I like what you just said there as well around the kind of permission piece. You know, as a coach, that's something that I'm trained in. So before I kind of go and say anything, if I'm offering a reflection, I say, is it okay to offer that reflection? And actually, that could be something that people that are listening now could use going forwards if they want to give their colleague a hug because they're just having a bit of a bad day. But kind of on the flip side of that as well, and I'd be interested to kind of hear your side, and you and I have never really talked about this, but I wondered whether you've ever experienced any inappropriateness in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the workplace. What amazes me is the a number of men that, and it tends to be, in my experience, generally middle to senior management, um, middle-aged white men. That seems to be the biggest, and you know, and my apologies to all the wonderful middle-aged white men in mid to senior management who are not this way, but there's a lot of creeps out there in that, for me, in my experience, and maybe there's not a lot of creeps, maybe there's a minimal creeps, but there's enough to make it an issue and a problem that we have to talk about it, and that we're still continuing to talk about, that we had a president that was like that in the United States, that we had, you know, and that people are okay with this. The... I have had so many times where even as a more mature woman who's been in business a long time, who is pretty tough, it's hard. It's difficult. So for instance, um, when I first moved back here to the States, I had a job and one of them, it was interesting because this particular male colleague was in a position of some power. He helped make the decision to hire me, but he wasn't my boss, but he was my boss's mentor. So that was already established relationship. And they, he immediately established himself as my friend, as he wanted to be my mentor. And it was a really tough place to work because the person that hired me was fired like a month after I was hired. I was put in a different team. It was just one of the, and it was just not a good place to work. It was very unhealthy, toxic environment anyway. But he put himself out there as this person to be my friend and to listen to. And then over time, the jokes got creepier. And and it started with, oh, you look beautiful today, Jen. You know, what a lovely dress. And and you don't want to immediately assume people are creeps, right? And and to your point earlier, you don't want to be so, you know, 
such a feminist that you're like, don't look at my dress. I don't, who cares if I have a dress <laughs> on? Dang. You pants, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and so you're like, thank you. And then it's, you look good in blue, you know, and then it, and before you know it, it's just getting weirder. And he was, and he just started getting stranger. And I would be so uncomfortable. And, and because it had started in such a, a soft, subtle way mm. that by the time it got to be a problem, I felt like I didn't have a leg to stand on because then it started making little funny jokes and my way of deflecting. And I have a raunchy sense of humor anyway. I always have. I've, I love a bad, naughty, inc- politically incorrect joke. I'm so bad about that. I've had to really assess my sense of humor as an adult <laughs> as I've gotten older because I am the worst. And so, you know, at first I would just kind of laugh and then it just started getting creepier and creepier. And then he just started saying more and more, very more direct things until finally he ended up sending me an email one night saying, Oh, I thought you were calling to ask to see me naked or something like that. And that had been because I had sort of made a joke to say I was going to call and tell his wife essentially I was trying to make a joke to deflect something he had said and warn him at the same time that he was being inappropriate but instead of coming out and saying that's inappropriate you're making me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I made a joke and said what if I call and tell your wife Mm -hmm. and ask you naked that'd make you feel bad wouldn't it or something like that and I was trying to make a joke to make him see how he felt when he had make a joke to me, but it backfired. And instead I get this email from him like a night later and I'm like, oh my God. So I immediately shut that down. Well, then it got worse and then he got mad. Okay. And then I ended up in a meeting with him one day and by myself, um, not realizing that that's what we were going to end up in this room by ourselves. And then he got really angry at me because I wouldn't agree with his decision on something and I thought he wasn't going to let me out of the room Mm -hmm. and I was literally in the room thinking okay I'll throw my shoes off I'll throw my bag at him to try and deflect him and then I'll run for the door I think I can get around the desk so when you start having those kind of fears Mm -hmm. you know that's a real problem and what's interesting is that when I then I had to take it to HR and it became an issue. And then they tried to make it look as though it was my fault because I, you know, they're like, well, you made these jokes and he just didn't understand, you know, and HR in this company literally said, you know how men are. And, you know, and I was very tempted to take this to what is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and stuff. But because of the way it started, I still, still felt like, do I even have a leg to stand on? And I did. I, and I, and I think what I, I've been away from it now for, you know, a couple of years, I'm like, oh yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Hell with them. But I literally was in such an uncomfortable place and no one really took it seriously. And, you know, because he was like, apparently was like, oh, I never made you feel that way. I thought we were just friends and joking. And, you know, he did eventually get fired because they made cuts in the company, but I had asked them, one of the things I asked was I would like as part of this to be that everybody in the company has to have mandatory workplace violence and sexual harassment training. I think that would be, I'll be happy with that. If I feel like the company, they seriously, and they wouldn't do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and that was just a couple of years ago. And it's similar. I think I've been in a similar situation where, I've just had a bit of banter with somebody and 
I've been polite, I'm a nice person, you know, when I, something else that happened, um, again, just a couple of years ago, maybe just a bit longer, maybe more like three years ago, and even at the time, Matt was going to me, you know, you be careful because people are nice and people will misunderstand this, and I didn't really understand what he meant by that, and then I got myself into a pickle with a manager, we were texting each other, and again, I didn't think, I didn't Mm. really think, I just thought, oh, he's you know, we're just texting each other. We get on really well. We're on the same wavelength. We both have ambitions. He was so supportive over like all my women empowerment stuff. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a creepy thing. It was more of a thing where it just got uncomfortable because I said, I then kind of wrongly brought him too much into my life almost to then push him back out again. And then that's when it was his fault because then he started to treat me badly and tell me right. my work wasn't very good and basically bully me. I was getting bullied. So I quit. But that's not your fault. No. That, that no. is not your fault because the first bit maybe slightly. <laughs> okay. The first bit may have been I've overstepped boundaries. Yeah. Fair enough. But the behavior, the bad behavior then from him is not your fault. No. And the same thing with this person, just because I was nice to him at the start and actually looked up to him at first and then felt sorry for him as time went on, but felt like, but like you, I felt like it was my fault because I had been his friend or looked up to him. And I think that's how people like that take advantage because they know that we either, we feel bad or we felt like we did something wrong. And so they're like, well, you're the one that did it. No, no, you don't get to be an arsehole just because I've got a human, I'm a human. I I know what you're saying, but I think there again is lies in the problem in our relationships with men and how society views us as women. Because I bet you 101, he has never said, it's my fault, I shouldn't have done this. But you're sitting there saying, well, that's my fault. And I'm I'm not trying to take away personal responsibility. There is a level of personal responsibility, but once it crosses that line, then we don't even have to apologize, I think. So I think there's a point where you can apologize to a point. And then if he had said, oh yeah, I did think there was something here and felt disappointed and maybe there was a little uncomfortable, then you could say, well, that was my fault. The minute he turned it into a way to abuse you and to essentially be violent towards you with the bullying, even if it was just mental violence, Mm -hmm. you cease to be responsible. And at least for that, that that's a totally different situation. There's a line that has been crossed and it's no longer the original situation. I actually then reported that to HR. Everything Mm. I've kind of discussed here, I then spoke to HR about it and said, you know, perhaps at the beginning, there was a little bit of a friendship that was blossoming and then maybe a line ever so slightly got crossed um whatever whoever's fault that is but then now he's made me feel that I'm not good enough that I can't do this job and I I hand my notes in with without a job to go to like luckily enough Mm. I you know how I am I I immediately found a job and yeah so it was fine so I left that job and started another one but it was sad because I was really excited about that that company I was going to work for. It was one my first kind of opportunity to go into high end. Um, you know, it was a great hard, great it? brand to have on my CV as well. And a bit like you, you know, a big company. And sometimes it's yeah. those big companies, and it makes me nervous about that. It, it, it's funny you say that because I think what's sad is that 
we are so worried, you know, you just, what you just said to me about, I didn't have another job. I had to go. The fact that we think we're not going to have something else to catch us, right? That we're so afraid to act because in some way, because we're afraid we're not going to have something else shows how bad the environment has gotten that it's bad and that women's mindsets are there that they think they have no other option and bad that corporations are such that that exists everywhere so you're not sure where you're going to go or how it's going to be viewed in other places and the fact that you're not protected where you are so you know this is one of those where the pendulum swings right so yes it might be swinging too far one way and sometimes you feel like some people are being punished for the sins of people before them yeah but you know sometimes that has to happen to restore balance yeah and I found it us talking about this now it makes me think and something that came up for me a couple of years ago after that experience that I had I went for coffee with a a very good friend of mine he's also a massive ally a massive ally of mine Scott and we were having a conversation over a coffee and I was saying I feel that every organization needs to kind of have like a you know what the boundaries are what the line is and actually explain it to people because I think that's what's missing I think it's all well and good you can go and have you know harassment courses um I don't know what what the, I've never been on one, but um, I've never been on one. Believe yeah, inclusivity not. training. That yeah, kind of all thing. of that. Yeah. So I feel that there needs to be something a bit more realistic because, yes, diversity and inclusion, 100%. I've just done a diversity and equality course where I learned about the Equality Act and it was so interesting. And I love that. And I love that I've, I've learned something from that. But what about real life? You know, mm-hmm. a bit like what you and I have just talked about there, that line, you know, the asking mm-hmm. the permission first. Yeah, I think permission is huge, right? And I've tried to practice it even with my net. So, so sometimes my nephews, they they live very close to us and, and were living with us for a while, or one of them was. And I even learned, at first I would grab my nephew and hug him in the morning. And he's like, I don't like to be touched. Why are you always touching me? He said that to me one day. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is to me, this is this little boy. And I know he's a teenager now, but in my mind, he's, this baby boy that you know and I realized then it crosses all areas of human interaction and all relationships you know it's 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 about respect and I think I have learned that that asking permission is key and I think if companies just said that um, I, I think if companies said you know when you're making friends, think about it before you're making friends with this person. Think about your purpose in this relationship. Think, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's the thing is, life is not black and white, it's messy and it always will be. And that's part of what makes it fun and exciting and funny and weird. And that's why we have comedy and tragedy, right? And, and art to make sense of it. And I think the workplace is a very dry and constructed place often that doesn't do well with the messiness of human interaction so you're never going to always get it right companies are never going to always get it right they can do as many inclusive inclusivity trainings and sexual harassment trainings and so forth it's about making the effort to try and then it's on us as 
grown up individuals to take accountability for our own behavior, which I think is what you're saying when you're talking about that relationship where you felt like you need to take accountability for your part in the confusion that man felt. But again, you know, there comes a point, but that same same role for him is about individual accountability for his own part and especially for what his misbehavior yeah i think yeah you're right the whole accountability the the kind of learning to ask for permission and then taking your own accountability is Mm -hmm. really important also to call things out i guess that's in the accountability piece but if you Mm -hmm. see something that doesn't seem right to you you can also call that out as well yeah we have to get stronger as women Mm -hmm. and as humans so that the next time you know i'm in that situation where this guy is makes some creepy comment instead of making a comedic joke back trying to that backfires on me later i should say you know what that that's out of line you just crossed it dude i know you're not a bad person but that went too far let's let's back it up a bit yeah and you can say that nicely, you know, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't have to be like when I was 20 and the poor doctor that I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it can be done differently. It's hard in that moment. Right. Yeah. But we, it, it is about accountability for yeah. all of us. I think you're right. I think we can really, it, it's quite an easy thing to do. If we receive something that we don't like, obviously, first of all, I want to say that, I hope that you'd never anyone that's listening never receive something that you don't like to to receive but unfortunately we live in a world where where it's not perfect mm-hmm. but to give you that confidence and the empowerment to go back and say actually don't say that to me or I don't really like that can you not do that and look I'm happy yeah. for us to still be friends and work together but don't don't like I don't feel comfortable with a sexual comment or um the language that you use there and then you set your boundaries then you set your line they go you've put your line there I won't laugh at that and I think you know it's something that I will take forwards with me as well like you I have a bit of a weird sense of humor as well because there's some things that do make me laugh you know only so we get along yeah <laughs> also we're very very similar mm-hmm. um it, it's last week a, a colleague of mine I was doing some um uh, some work and I was putting some documents into a folder and they called it Lucy's magic folder and da, 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 da. and then someone goes oh can I he goes oh um I wanted to say could you open up your magic folder and then it was just funny because the way they were saying it and mm-hmm. I laughed because it was funny because you know I'm not offended by that I had been putting stuff in the folder they were calling it a magic folder because obviously the work that I do is obviously the creme de la creme and I <laughs> had all the, the information in this folder and it was it's going to be your magic place where you need to pull this information out from this project and it was just you know I wasn't offended you know and then the thing is he caught he caught himself saying it and he's like well I won't say that and he checked in and said you know I've not offended you and I was like no I'm not offended you know he managed that really well right managed it so well because he checked in and you know he gets an idea for where your relationship sits and what's okay and what isn't by checking a lot of it's about checking in about caring enough yeah to just say oh you know what did I cross the line there did I do it and a lot of nine times out of ten you're going to be like what What? yeah what did you say I, I you know I've already left and left the room in the conversation and haven't thought about it but there might be that time that you say actually and I didn't know how to deal with handle it and thank you so much for asking and that's all that matters 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you learn, I, I, you know, it's a lot of it's about no, not being so selfish. Um, if you don't mind, I have another example. It's not me. Yeah, um, because you're talking about women hearing this and hopefully they hear this and know they're not alone and that those things are not okay. And, and, you know, and, and that we all make mistakes. I have a female boss of mine that I had in another organization, another big corporation. And she just went through hellacious stuff with this one man. Um, and she was very, you know, quite senior. She was a C-level person. Um, and she, and he was, you know, executive C-level, you know, so that just a little bit higher, right? But she's still quite high, quite successful. And, and she's a very attractive woman. And, and unfortunately, I think for some women, if they fit a certain profile that people think of, uh, you know, she's, she's a large breast, she's got blonde hair, very attractive, you know, unfortunately, you put a, you know, people look at you and judge you by a certain way. So I think she was always sort of under appreciated for her intelligence anyway, and had to fight a bit harder. And then she also had to put up with this, always this behavior towards her, but she's also a very friendly, warm, and like you and me has a bit of a funny sense of humor and, and is very sociable with people, right? This particular person, he just decided that, that he, it's like he wanted to bring her down a notch. And, you know, it started with being her mentor and pushing her forward in the company. And then once he felt like she should appreciate him, then it became about taking her down a peg and, you know, trying to force himself upon her. And it literally got very close. I, it was her decision not to take any action and, you know, he almost crossed a physical line that I, you know, I, I, she was scared. And I think, and it was an after hours, after a work event, you know, got her in a place to get, you know, and so offered her a ride to her home, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it happens. My point is it happens even to people in really senior positions who have been in there a long time. And, you know, she was scared to death and didn't know what to do. And what's really sad is that the company knew it and someone in the company in HR was trying to fight it, ended up losing her job because she tried to take it forward. And then she was too, my friend was too scared to talk about it. And it just became this. So it ended up two women's careers were hurt because this man was such a selfish creep Mm. and felt like he had that right. And, you know, he's still out there, I'm sure doing fine. And I, you know, you just think, Oh, but you know, so where did, but then I, you know, I, as a, as a younger woman, working for her was at first a bit disappointed, right? Because I was like, you have to stand up because the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know, coming along, but it was also wasn't, you know, fair to put that on her. And I think this, my point on this one is I feel bad sometimes that I, I got mad at her because I wasn't mad at her for what happened. He was at fault. I was mad at her for not fighting him 
more because I felt like she was letting the rest of us down. Mm-hmm. But that was just another level of pressure and, that she was being put on her. And then she felt even more guilty. So I think we as women have to be really supportive of each other. And when we see a woman hurting like that, we have to accept how they need to handle it for themselves and yeah. their own family and for their own inner peace and support each other, no matter what their decision is regarding that situation. Absolutely. I completely and utterly agree with that. Everyone's got to make their own decisions with with whatever. And it's a hard thing to do, reporting something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a brave thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. You're going to start to worry, especially if the person who's, you know, been abusive towards you, because let's face it, it is abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got to that person that's perhaps a little bit more senior to you, you don't know who they know you know it, it, it can and it makes your brain go over overdrive you overthink everything and the kind of key takeaway that I, I feel that I'm taking away from this and what I want other women who are listening to this to take away as well is actually that if it doesn't feel right in your gut then it's not right yeah. because you 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 can trust your gut you're that's why we've got that kind of intuition that's why we've got it in you know get in tune with that start to kind of really listen because if something isn't you know someone's kind of joke here and there and you just laugh it off actually in your gut if it's saying actually no I'm not happy with it speak up yeah because then you can exactly. nip it in the bud quicker almost you mentioned that earlier too about being willing to speak up if something's not right um it's not just about us right because i think mm. sometimes we see things and we think oh well that's okay it's not my business right it's not my responsibility um i think that in the boardroom or you know in the proverbial boardroom or in the workplace i'm always amazed by the number of women that don't support other women same um, and almost become part of that, that they're part of that toxic culture and they're yeah. part of that, you know, how to patriarchy by just support. It's kind of like when, you know, people stand by and watch someone be murdered or raped or something and don't say anything and don't call the police. Right. It's that same kind of thing. And, and on a very much lesser level. But it is, people have got to support each other. And I think women especially have to support each other in the workplace. So when a man is being sexist toward another woman or seeing someone treat another woman in a certain way, they should be willing to speak up and say, hey, that's not right. You know, I've always been a bit of a troublemaker, I have to admit, when it comes to other women. Because I I don't know how many times if you've ever been in a meeting, but I'm always amazed where you go into a meeting and everybody's pretty much the same level of seniority and who gets the coffee? Yeah. A woman. Yeah. Who's asked to get the coffee? A man asked a woman, (laughs) Hey, Jill, will you go get the coffee for everybody? And I tell you what, no one asked me to get coffee. No, no one asked me. Not no, now. not after my reaction. Yeah, no, I because I have there have been plenty of times where I'm like, why'd you ask Jill and not Bob? Yeah. You know, and everybody's sitting there like, oh crap, you know. <laughs> you know, she goes li- again. Literally exactly the same. They, they they've done it, they've only ever done it to me once in every job I've had. Or oh, Lucy, could you go and get the water? And I've gone, no, why don't you go and get it? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> They've gone and done it. Well, oh, let me go goodness. get my apron and my name tag, my little <laughs> menu pad, and then no. you can ask me. 
but again that's my job it is yeah. that speaking up and I like what you were saying there about you know other women kind of empowering other women and speaking up for other women women as well and it's not just you know in the meeting room and you're in the room and I don't know about you if you've noticed it too when you're in like a conference call well it's all conference calls now isn't it and mm-hmm. um, all the men are having a chat and I talk a lot anyway you know I'm confident <laughs> I will always yap away um, especially with my seniority as well within my, the roles that I have so you know people look yeah. at me to talk people listen to you yeah well don't know if they listen to me but they have no <laughs> choice but to, to listen because I'm yapping away and talking if, if a colleague of mine goes to say something or a female I always say to my female colleagues oh Lucy uh, I've got a colleague called Lucy I'm like Lucy do you have something to say and she's like oh actually yeah I do and there's another lady called Hina I'm like Hina do you have something to say as well or, or you know what do you th-? and I always call them out too just so they can speak so their voice is heard yeah, that's good. You've got to support each other. There's got to be, because I'm telling you what, that's how men got in power. They yeah. backed each other up. And there's this tendency, and I, and I don't know if it's because women have always, just like other groups that have to fight for something, right? Yeah. You have to fight for scraps. You're going to fight everybody fighting for the same scraps, right? So mm-hmm. women historically have had to fight for scraps, so they fight each other. When what they should be doing is gathering forces and pushing up at the top (laughs) and say, no, actually we're going to have the good stuff. And I think, you know, because they've learned and, and because we also teach little girls that they're supposed to be quiet and polite and graceful and sit with their legs crossed and, you know, all the things that we don't teach our boys. I'm always amazed when people say, oh, he's a boy. Testosterone plays a role. I believe fully that you know, science is there and it's real and it has an impact. But just because a kid may have more testosterone running through that that makes more energy, doesn't mean they're not socialized, can't be socialized to behave a certain way. Mm. And we tamp our girls down and we push them down until they get into the work. And we, then we wonder why there aren't enough female CEOs. Yeah. Because we've been telling them to be nice and quiet and polite their whole lives. And that does not do well in life. Yeah, always, always. Oh, you know, wear the pink dress, put the pink bow in your hair, you know, be quiet. Mm -hmm. I don't think mom ever really told me to be quiet. She said that I was quite a noisy child. (laughs) (laughs) I would not see that. (laughs) And I don't know whether she really ever, she said to me that she, actually no she did we, we had a bit of a heart to heart recently and she said that with me she just she saw other parents tell their children to like behave be quiet like don't go and do that she said that she let me go off and explore and let me go off oh, and good. kind of have a voice and shout and all of the things that um I got up to as a child but and um, that's probably reflective in how you are now and your success yeah a, a mixture of things there was something that you know, I've been quite reflective recently around different things that have gone on with the past. You know, as you know, m- before um, before Mum met Keith, that's my stepdad. Everyone that's listening, um, it it was hard. Like we had a hard life, and um, my mum was told. You know, when I was five or six, I think I've told you this before. You know, that the teacher said to my mum, "Oh, Lucy's never going to be able to read. She's just going to have a job and a check out." You know 
my mum was being told wow. already like my my future was written for me like they were writing mm-hmm. my future and again there's nothing wrong with working on a checkout there's nothing wrong with that at all you know nothing mm. but uh for someone to already put me in a box that yeah. wasn't that wasn't okay and I just you know I'll always remember and I actually remember the teacher and who it was and like I've got an image of my in, of her in my head of what she looked like she's probably she was old quite old about then, so she's probably dead now to be honest <laughs> <laughs> as morbid as that sounds but I'll always remember that and I'll always carry that forward yeah and if someone tells you that's what you are that doesn't mean that is what you are so yeah. back to the pink bows right yeah. Just because someone dresses you a certain way. And my mom dressed us to the nines. Like she sewed. And so she would make, we would all be matching dresses and bows in our hair. I mean, she <laughs> made the bows. And, you know, we were girly, girly looking. But that didn't mean that we couldn't do other things outside. And I think that's the key is making sure that, you know, it's, you can still be who you want to be. Yeah. Um, no matter how you're dressed. And I think it also ties to having pride in how you look. You know, I think sometimes there's a sense of these days, if you do dress your daughter up or you dress your son up, you know, you're, you're making them fit a certain mold, right? Yeah. A lot of it's about pride and just looking nice and presenting ourselves. There's nothing wrong with presenting ourselves well to the world. There's nothing wrong with wearing high heels you know, there may be some feminists that would very much argue with me about that and be mm-hmm. like, you know, high heels control a woman. I'm not saying they're comfortable, but for me, I enjoy wearing them. They give me a sense of empowerment and, yeah. and they're pretty, right? Yeah. I enjoy dressing up, but that doesn't mean that I won't throw them off and run fast <laughs> to beat you in a road race if I need to. Yeah. yeah. I love it. But I'm the same as you, you know, like I today I'm wearing like a um a pinky blouse with red love hearts on it and I've got a, a like a little pussy bow at the front. Um Jenny is wearing her beautiful pearls. <laughs> and you know, we I was a tomboy. Like I was a you know, I used to be a tomboy and now being I do I like pink. I'm a I'm a very feminine you know, and for a long time, I was like, I'm not feminine, I'm masculine. For a long, long time, I was like that until I worked with a personal stylist. And she was like, just so you're aware, you're feminine. And I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, yes, you are. And I am. Accept it. It's not <laughs> I wouldn't accept yeah. it. Could you imagine? Yeah. And now I do. Now I'm just like, yes, pink, like pink. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. wearing a bow. I'm always wearing like a puff sleeve. I love high heels. You know, you know, I'm only five foot four, so I have to wear a high heel anyway to give me a bit of oomph, which I like, and it gives me a sense of empowerment, a bit like what you were saying. Yeah, I, I, I it's it's just about that whole whatever works for you. Yeah. And to give you confidence and to make you feel you can do what you need to do, I think is exactly what you need to do as a woman. Brilliant. Jenny, thank you. We have chatted, but I I knew this would happen. We didn't really have a set agenda and it's just, we've talked about so much. And I think we've talked about something that has really, you know, we've not shied away from a really big subject around, you know, the Me Too movement, really, in a, in a way that's kind of what we've talked about. And, you know, the kind of key takeaways I want people to take from this is that you can speak up for yourself, you can speak up for other people, trust your gut, if you're not, if you're feeling that it's not right, trust your gut. You know, and even, 
I'm going to add something here about educating yourself as well, because there, there is no excuse for ignorance anymore. You know, male or female, whoever's listening to this, because I know that I have some male allies that love listening to speak female as well. You know, go and educate yourself as well. And I know that the reason why you listen to this, and I'm speaking to the males here, particularly, I know that you listen to this to to kind of learn a bit more around, you know, females and what females go through. So do you want to add any other key takeaways as well? No, I just want to say thank you for doing this podcast, for for making such an effort to make sure women's voices are heard and for ensuring that people are supportive of each other and and doing it in a way that's not in any way anti-men either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, appreciating the allies because I think ultimately we're all just trying to get through yeah. <laughs> the day. I think COVID has taught us but we've all just got to kind of be kind and patient um, and, but also just be strong as women yeah, um, and be proud of ourselves and give ourselves a wee break sometimes too. Yeah. The bit Scottish came in you there, the wee break. Mm, yeah. <laughs> help it. Oh, I love it. Brilliant. Thank you, Jenny, again, thank for joining for us me. female. And thank you to you, the listener. It would be great if you could subscribe if you haven't already done so. Share Speak Female across your networks and also leave a review. This helps spread the message and the more people we can reach, the better. Check out the podcast notes where you can find the email address for myself and for Jenny. And you can also sign up to the newsletter coaching hub. And to leave you with a bit of a quote for you, girls rule, boys draw. See you next time. (laughs) 